Good morning, Mendocino County and beyond. Coming up is Wild Oak Living. Today we're going to be talking about how to keep ourselves and our pets safe during heat waves. And we're also going to be talking about a um, soul care in nature uh, um, therapy that is available here in Mendocino County on a 500-acre forest preserve. So stay tuned for all of that coming right up. Good morning, Mendocino County and beyond. Thank you for tuning in to Wild Oak Living this morning. This is Johanna Wild Oak. I bring you this program every other Thursday from 9 until 10 a.m. The program is all about living sustainably and building community in Mendocino County and beyond. And today we're going to be talking about uh, two, t- two different topics. One is how to stay safe in the heat and also how to keep pets um, and, and kids and, and other people <laughs> safe in the heat. And then in the second part of the program this morning, I'm going to be talking to Kylie McCarthy, who is um, doing something called Soul Care in Nature on a 500-acre forest preserve here in Mendocino County. So stay tuned for all of that. I'm going to uh, spend the first half hour talking about heat and how to how to uh, live safely when it's hot outside. Um, this is uh, something that I do every once in a while. I I try to do it at least once a year because um, some of the uh, information is you know pretty well known and and others other information might not be well known. I also do realize that this information that I'm going to be sharing now is going to be more relevant to people in inland Mendocino County than on the coast. I always thought it was really funny that um, us inlanders, and I count myself as an inlander, us inlanders, um, when we are, you know, walking around with as few clothes as possible during a heat wave, uh, our friends on the coast might be walking around in a sweater. And many people during heat waves do head out to the coast. That's probably one of the first things uh, we can do if we want to cool down here in Mendocino County is head to the coast because it's generally about, I don't know, I guess about 20, 30 degrees cooler on the coast than it is here on inland. At least that's what the weather, the weather charts say. But let's talk about heat and heat waves. So um, I'm, I'm drawing on uh, various sources of information here in, in, in in addition to my own experience and information that I've gathered for, you know, doing previous programs about this topic. Um, so there's lots of good sources of information where you could, that you can draw on. Uh, the, the New York Times has several articles on this topic. Uh, the uh, AARP also has on their website several sources of this topic. And of course, if you want to find out about how to keep animals safe in the heat, the Humane Society uh, is it has is a good source, um, and the ASPCA have websites that are a good source of information. Let's start by talking about what is a heat wave. When do hot temperatures turn into a heat wave? Um, the definition of that, uh, it depends on where you are. Uh, various countries have different definitions. In the United States, uh, the uh, definition appears to be that temperatures must be above the historical average of an area for two or more days before the label is applied. Um, and the reason why people focus on heat waves as opposed to individual hot days is, of course, you know, an, 
one 95 or 98 degree day can be very miserable and it can also put, put people at risk, especially if you have to be outside or if you have to work outside. Um, but what, what makes heat waves so dangerous is that, um, uh, and this is maybe more true in other parts of the country than it is here, uh, is, is when you cannot recover. When you cannot recover after a day of heat and be in a cool space at night and sleep well and be ready for the next day, that's when heat waves become dangerous. So in a sense, um, although the, the, when we have series of days here that are in the 90s, um, it's a little less dangerous here um, in terms of the, the damage that a heat wave can do because uh, we generally tend to have cool nights. Um, the nights are generally in the upper 50s or lower 60s uh, in, in the inland areas, and that gives our body a chance to recover. However, that doesn't mean that that uh, being out in the heat and exposing ourselves to heat cannot be a risk factor, especially for elderly people, especially people who have breathing problems or who have other health challenges, and little kids who don't always know, you know, when when to stop doing something uh, so that they don't wear themselves out and overexert themselves. So, I just I'm just going to share a few. A few thoughts about what are some of the basic tips for staying safe during a heat wave or even just during one very hot day. Okay, so obviously the most um, convenient thing would be is if you can be in, in an air conditioned space. Air conditioning at home, air conditioning at work, um, air conditioning at the mall or at, at some, some of the big box stores. <laughs> They're all, they all, they all are, uh, offer, uh, a cool environment to be in and to spend some time in when when you uh, when you are hot and when you need to cool down um, if you don't have air conditioning or if you can't get to an air conditioned space by the way um, a car is also an air conditioned space if your car has an air conditioner so in an emergency you know if if your home air conditioning fails or if you just cannot cool down at home um, you know Get in your car and go for a drive is what I would do. I, that's you know I and I have done that before. You know I have driven into town in my air conditioned vehicle and run an errand uh, as a way of getting cool when I couldn't get cool enough in my place. I do have air conditioning that uh, it, it runs on solar, um, but it has to cool a very large uh, space without walls because that's just how my space is, and uh, it's not always it's not always able to do that efficiently. And so sometimes I have to do other methods, methods, and I'm going to talk about those in a moment. But some of the some of the tips for staying cool, even if you don't ha have air conditioning, are you can uh, spray your skin with with a mist of cool or room temperature water. Ideally, not ice water because that kind of creates a, like a shock reaction, and it actually heats it tends to heat your body up even more. But cool or room temperature water that you can spray on your arms and your legs, or on your face or your neck. Um, if you have windows where the sun shines in, especially windows on the south and the west side of your house, the afternoons tend to be the problem around here. The afternoons get really, really hot. Uh, you can block the heat uh, on the outside uh, with um, shades. It's more efficient and more effective to block the heat on the outside of a window than it is to try to block it on the inside because once the heat has gone through the glass and into the room, um, it's, you know, it's less effective to, even if you, even if you hang dark curtains. But of course, even 
dark curtains on the inside will help. There's also films that you can put on the outside of the window that block the heat. You can read up more about that uh, on the internet on some of the sites that, that sell them. Um, if you don't have air, air conditioning, obviously if you have air conditioning, you're going to keep your, uh, and the air conditioning is working well, you're going to keep your doors and windows closed. At least that's what they advise. Um, because the air conditioning recircles indoor air, um, and, um, and cools it. Some air conditionings also bring in outside air and, and cool it. It depends on, on what kind of air conditioner you have and what kind of settings they have. But generally they advise that you keep your doors and windows closed when you run air conditioning to have it run most efficiently. Um, if you don't have air conditioning, then uh, the the newest thinking tends to be to keep doors and windows open and run fans to circulate the air. You know, this if you have a really, really well insulated house and you keep your doors and windows open at night, uh, or at least your windows, if you can do so safely, um, then to let the cool air in and your house is cool in the morning, some people then close up the house during the day because it's really well insulated and they tend to be able to keep their house cool that way. It really depends on how well insulated your space is and how well you can cool it down during the night. But... Um, Keeping doors and windows open and having and running fans is also a strategy that some people use. And what I do um, in addition to that uh, and uh, is is you can install misters uh, that run along the outside of your house, especially on the hot sides of the house, like on the south and the west, or around a screened porch. Uh, they they put out a very fine mist. Uh, uh, of moisture, and that tends to cool down the air in the vicinity. It, um, from what I've read, it can cool down the air as much as f um, 5 to 20 degrees, depending on uh, humidity levels that are already out, uh, you know, when it's hot. And, and since we tend to have really, really low humidity, misters tend to work really well. Another thing that works really well in our environment is... Um, uh, what's called generally called swamp coolers or evaporative coolers, um, they um, take um, they take outside air and run it through a curtain of water um, through these uh, sort of pads that are soaked in water, and the evaporation caused by that it turns into cool air that is then blown into the house. If you have an evaporative cooler, then the advice is to keep doors and windows open because you want the evaporative cooler to push out the hot air and replace it with the cool air from the evaporative cooler. Most people will remember evaporative coolers to be these huge metal boxes that are that sit on the roof or sit on the outside of your house. They are now much more streamlined looking uh, and modern and uh, well-functioning evaporative coolers available um, that uh, that are replacing some of the big uh, metal boxes um, if you can you know you can go to your home improvement store and check them out by the way I just realized I'm going to take a break here for just a moment to let you know that you are listening to Wild Oak Living and this is Johanna Wild Oak today I'm going to be talking about staying safe in the heat and then in the second half of the hour I'm going to be talking about soul care in nature okay back to staying safe during during the heat during heat waves okay so I talked about the evaporative um, uh, air cooler um, and so another and some other strategies for dealing with the heat is um, and some of these are pretty obvious um, avoiding strenuous exercise 
outside um, during the hot part of the day. Uh, my dog loves to play uh, fetch, and we now get up as soon as it starts to turn daylight and go outside when it's still cool, and we play fetch, and then we play fetch again at the end of the day. And I don't let her play or chase or, or run around a lot during the heat of the day because she's one of those dogs who does not have an off switch, so I have to be her off switch, and I have to keep her safe. Um, speaking of pets, let me just spend a few more minutes here on pets uh, while we're on the topic. Um, pets have to be hydrated. It's important for pets to be hydrated just like it is for people, and it's also important for pets to be in the shade or animals to be in the shade. If you have animals that have to be outside, uh, it's really, really important to give, to give them a place where they can be in the shade and where they can be comfortable in the shade, and of course they have to have plenty of water. And um, another thing that's really, really important that uh, people tend to forget is, you know, if, if you take your dog with you during the cooler part of the year, uh, it's it's not such a good idea to do that during the during the hot part of the year, even when it's not in the 90s, even if it's just in the in the upper 70s or 80s. Um, and even if you roll your windows down a bit, a car can get really, really, really hot, really, really fast. And it's actually illegal now in California to leave your pets in the car. And obviously, you're not going to leave kids in the car seat or disabled people in the car. Uh, it's just not a safe thing to do. It's also, in my opinion, is my personal opinion, I also don't think it's a good idea to leave your dogs or pets in the back of a pickup truck unless they have shade. Uh, in I don't like animals traveling in the back of picker traps period it's actually as far as i know also not legal um but if if they have to stay back there while you're in the store you know at least make sure that they have a shade that they can retreat to um hydration is really really important as i said for people and for pets um, and it's especially important to remind kids to hydrate regularly and to remind kids to play in the shade, to have kids wear hats, uh, and, and to keep an eye on, out and prevent kids and, and animals and pets from overexerting themselves because that can lead to heat exhaustion. And I just want to talk a bit about some of the warning signs for, for heat and exhaustion. Um, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says that what to watch out the symptoms to watch out for for heat exhaustions include heavy sweating, cold, pale, and clammy skin, a fast, weak pulse, nausea or vomiting, muscle cramps, fatigue, dizziness, headaches, or fainting. If you are experiencing these symptoms, they say to sip water, move to a cooler location if possible, loosen your clothes, try to take a cool bath or place cool wet cloths on your body, seek medical attention immediately if you vomit or if your symptoms worsen or last longer than an hour because that can be a heat stroke and that is a medical emergency. What are some of the ways to stay hydrated? Obviously, drinking lots of fluid is, is, a, is a good idea. How much fluid to drink depends on, on many factors. Um, if it's hard for you to motivate yourself to drink plain old water, um, they say all sorts of drinks are effective at providing body fluids, not just water. Juices, milk, teas, even sodas can be great sources of hydration if that's what motivates you to, to hydrate and, and to drink enough. Um, something that's often overlooked is... Um, 
is that uh, a lot of foods also contain a lot of water. My favorite food right now is is chilled watermelon and chilled cucumbers. They contain a lot of water and they're they're sweet and they're pleasant to eat and they feel cooling to eat. I also make my own popsicles. There are now popsicle molds that are made out of silicone that you can buy that are reusable and you can just, there's, there's a gazillion popsicle recipes on the internet. You can just make your own popsicles. It's a lot cheaper than buying them. Uh, raw meals can also can take, contain a lot of fluid. Uh, for example, I make a soup just by blending zucchini with some, with some water and some seasonings. Gazpacho is a great, uh, a great, uh, soup that, the cold soup that cools and gives you a lot of fluids. Cucumber soup. Some of the things that they recommend avoiding when it's hot is caffeine and alcohol. They are stimulating and uh, can actually make you feel uh, more hot. Um, alcohol is the same thing. Um, it, it can actually, in addition to um, it being stimulating, it can also dehydrate you. Um, and there's some there's some discussion about uh, uh, cooling foods and heating foods. Some people think that spicy food uh, uh, helps cool you down because it makes you sweat, and other people say spicy food makes you heat up, um, you know, because it makes you it makes you flushed and makes you feel hot. So I don't know where I come down on that. I tend to stay away from spicy, stimulating foods when it's hot, but um, you know, see what see what what works for you. Um, one thing I find really, really cool, cooling during the summer is peppermint tea. Uh, um, I make it hot, hot in the morning with fresh peppermint from outside, and then I I cool it and put it in the fridge, or just leave it sitting on the counter usually, and then I have lukewarm or cool peppermint tea to drink uh, during the day. I don't even have to add sugar. I like it even just the way it is. But if you want to add some maple syrup or some other sweetener, you can. Um, uh, something a lot of people don't know is is the difference between peppermint and spearmint, according to uh, Chinese medicine or according to uh, people who divide foods into cooling and and neutral and and healing heat heating foods. Spearmint appears to be warming and is is a good uh, mint t- uh, to consume in the winter, and peppermint appears to be cooling and is a good thing to drink in the summer. Uh, if you sweat a lot and have to drink a lot, um, you know, because you have to, for example, work outside in the morning or in the evening when it's when it's um, already warming up or when it hasn't cooled down yet, um, there are things that you can add to your water that help you uh, rehydrate uh, electrolytes. Um, they come in the form of powders or liquids uh, that you can add to your water that help you replenish your electrolytes, but also eating foods will help you replenish your electrolytes. Um, We've talked about misters, we've talked about swamp coolers, we've talked about pets, um, activities in early morning or evening. Uh, Sleeping is a big topic. Um, It's not such a huge problem in our area, as I said, because we tend, when we have hot days, we tend to have cooler evenings. But, you know, it can, if your house is really heated up during the day, it can take a few hours to cool, to cool down, uh, until, uh, and it may not be completely cool by the time you're ready to go to sleep. And one of the things that they have discovered fairly recently is that in order for us to fall asleep, 
and to sleep soundly, our body temperature has to drop by a couple of degrees. Um, that is, they've discovered that that is actually one of the reasons why um, some people tend to sleep better in the summer in air-conditioned rooms than in the rest of the year because the rooms in the summer are actually cooler than the rest of the year when we end up heating our spaces. And so if you know if you can't if you can cool down your space with a fan or with an air conditioner that's great uh, a cool bedroom is going to help you fall asleep that, at least that's what the science says um but if you don't if you don't have that or if you just have a fan what i do now is uh, also because i don't like to run the air conditioner at night because you know there's no sun so there's no power coming in but um i do run a fan and i take a shower before i go to bed and then i just don't dry off and I let the evaporation from the shower cool my body and then when I'm dry you know I put on my nightgown and I go to bed and um, that that little little bit of cooling is all it takes to feel comfortable and to fall asleep um, so that's um, turned out to be a pretty good strategy for me to cool down and and I do actually do the same thing during the day if I really feel hot and I just cannot find a way to cool down is I will take a cool shower um, and uh, and then just let the moisture evaporate um, after I've taken a shower speaking of showers um, cold showers some people think that when it's really hot you know cold showers will cool you down that's actually um, uh, it that tends that, that Cold showers tend to stimulate your body to heat yourself back up. And so uh, what they found is that lukewarm or, or room temperature showers actually work better than cold showers if you want to cool down. And then again, you know, if you have moisture on your skin from a shower or from spritzing your skin with a spray bottle and then have moving air like from a fan that tends to be very cooling i also have some friends who wear wet t-shirts on really hot days uh, because the evaporation provides a cooling effect from the wet t-shirt so those are all those are all um, some things that uh, that might help um, so cooling Cooling, uh, cooling your sleeping space. Also, if you have a, a, a quiet fan that that won't keep you from sleeping, um, I I tend to have I have a fan that I can run on a very low setting that basically makes no almost no noise, um, and and just that little bit of moving air um, it can help me fall asleep. And finally, not to scare you, but just to inform you. Um, what are some of the signs of, of heat stroke? We've talked about heat exhaustion before. Heat stroke, as I said, is, is a real emergency. Um, if heat, if, if heat exhaustion isn't addressed, it can turn into a heat stroke. And the, some of the symptoms, according to the CDC, include a high body temperature of 103 degrees, hot, hot, red, dry, or damp skin, a fast and strong pulse, a headache, dizziness, nausea, confusion, and passing out. If someone is experiencing these symptoms, uh, the CDC says to call your local emergency number and try to move the person into the shade or a cooler area. You can also use cool cloths or a cool bath to lower the person's body temperature. Do not give him or her anything to drink. So um, 
That's, uh, and also, um, it's really interesting. They have found that when you have reached that state of where you're heading into heat stroke, it can compromise your ability to make rational decisions. Um, that can be a symptom of heat stroke. So, uh, people with heat related illnesses may deny feeling ill. Um, and so they say to watch out for other signs that might hint at a problem, such as they start stumbling or they appear less coordinated than usual. Uh, ask them if they have a headache, nausea, or dizziness. Talk to them about a variety of topics to see if they exhibit symptoms of confusion. If you suspect somebody is having a problem with the heat, err on the side of caution and insist he or she gets into the shade or somewhere cool. You can also spray their body with cold water or rub them down with uh, ice or a cold cloth. Oh, ice sounds pretty shocking. Anyway, that might be necessary, at least according to the CDC. If they don't cool down quickly, seek medical advice. All right, that's um, some of the information. I hope some of this is helpful um, for dealing with heat waves. And uh, as I said earlier, um, there are many sites that offer more information. The, uh, the, the major newspapers have sites, the AARP, Humane Society, ASPCA um, also have all have information about how to stay safe in the heat. Stay cool, stay safe. And now we are going to go, uh, I think I'm just going to transition without a music break uh, to my guest, Kylie McCarthy. Kylie McCarthy is a, um, uh, a health practitioner who practices something called soul care in nature. And uh, she, okay, I'm going to do this, make sure that she can hear us and that we can hear her. Okay, uh, there we go. And and she practices something called soul care in nature on a 500-acre forest preserve in Mendocino County. And she's here to tell us much more about this. Before we start our interview with Kelly McCarthy, let me just let you know that you are tuned to Wild Oak Living. This is Johanna Wild Oak. I bring you this program every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. And it's all available right here on this radio station, KZUIX and KZUIZ, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting Listeners reported community radio. If you miss part of this program or if you want to share it with somebody else, all the KZYX public affairs programs are available as podcasts. Go to your favorite podcast site and look for KZYX public affairs. We also stream live on the web at kzyx.org and we also have something called a jukebox that you can find also by going to our website where you can listen to the programs that, that air on this radio station. All right, now we're going to go live with Kylie McCarthy. Oh, hold on a second. Let me make sure all the buttons are pushed here. Hello, Kylie. Can you hear us? Hello. All right, and we can Hi, hear you. Hello. We can hear you. Thank you for joining us. The wonders of technology allow us to be in a virtual same room here uh, via via Zoom. It's it's really great uh, to to be able to see you as well as talk to you. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I'm I'm just really really curious. Um, your your uh, your contact uh, was um, forwarded to me by somebody that I value very highly and who has been on this program mm -hmm. before. And so um, I very much look forward to having you talk to us about what you do. Let me start out by um, having you tell us uh, what is soul care and how did you come to be. Connected with it. 
Yes. So soul care is uh, a name that I've come up with my own creation. So my background is as a licensed professional counselor. And what I worked with was people who were struggling with addiction, specifically opioids. And what I found is that trauma and things from the past had been really contributing to people struggling with addiction and that there was a lot of grief and loss, that there's great joy in life, but there's also pain and suffering and loss. And that if we don't look at those things, if we don't learn how to process them, if we don't learn how to like look at them and see, okay, this is hard. I need to move this. I need to look at this. I need to heal this. Uh, it can get stuck in our bodies. And so what I was noticing even in my own experience is that when I would go out to the forest, I could breathe. I could um, relax. I could think more clearly. And so I often would sit with clients and I was like, you know, what if we were doing some of this healing work in the forest? What if we were letting the trees and the plants be the backdrop and the support that would allow people's nervous systems to find some calm, to find some rest, to find um, a place where uh, we can look at some of the inner work that we need to do to heal. So that was sort of how it got started. Um, and so I, I identify as like a, a guide and as a restorative coach and as an intuitive healer. And I'm really passionate about people coming home to themselves. You know, I think that this culture uh, is just real, at a relentless pace. And um, it like we need to slow down a little bit. We need to find out hmm, who am I apart from all of the things that I'm doing out in the world. Um, can I slow down and be held by nature? Can I be nurtured by nature? Can I connect with the wider natural world? So it's a little bit about how it started for me. And uh, why soul care? Talk a bit about the the soul aspect of this. Yes, yes. So I, um, we all have souls. We're all, uh, we all have essence within us, and that needs to be cared for. It's um, precious and valuable. We're so much more than uh, uh, the things that we do and the things that we accomplish. And you know. Um, well, those things are important and valuable, but our souls are um, tender places, vulnerable places that need to be nurtured and cared for. Um, it's not just like, oh, my mental health or my body. It's like the holistic uh, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And um, so that's how I think about it, that we all have an inner wisdom within us, all have a, a sense of essence and soul, and that I love to help cultivate to help and help bring forth into the world. And you, you, you said, you said, um, you know, we, we, we all have souls and we need to care for it. Um, and you also mentioned something uh, earlier that kind of goes along with that, uh, how we, how when we experience trauma, we hold that trauma, uh, not just in our memory, but we we hold it in our bodies, right? Yes. And so um, I'm, yes. I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about um, that connection, the connection between uh, spirit, emotions, bodies. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we live in a culture that's so often dualistic, and so we think of it like, well, our mental health or our physical health, and it's all, it's all intertwined and interconnected. And um, so, you know, our our we have a life force. Each one of us has a soul and a life force, and so when the things of life that are really painful, really traumatic, that are overwhelming to our system happen, if we don't look at it, if we don't heal it, if we don't let some of it go and process it, it quite literally gets stuck, the, the life force gets stuck in our, in our bodies. And so when we can become more embodied, when we can be more present, so that's a lot of it too, is we're so often... Uh, thinking about the future or stuck in the past or the things that have happened to us. And so when we can be present in the present moment, like me and you right here, we're talking to each other, we're looking at each other through a screen, but we're in this moment right now. You know, I notice that my heart's beating a little fast right now as I'm talking. I'm noticing that I'm rocking a little bit on my chair, you know, and I'm also noticing that I'm excited to talk about this. Um, those are the things that I'm trying to help people come back to. Like, what am I noticing in my body right now? It feels a little tense or it feels um, a little jumpy. You know, like, what what's happening in my body? And then also, what am I noticing out, out in the forest? That I'm inviting people to uh, do both looking outwardly in their surroundings and also inwardly. Talk a bit about... Um, um I want to talk a bit more about specifically about how you know these sessions can go, but I'd like to I'd like to talk a bit about where you do your work and and how you came to be connected with that. Yes, so I'm currently living on a a reserve, a redwood forest reserve that's about 650 acres, and um, this place is really the intention is to find uh, this place is all about healing, healing the land, and also being a place that people can come for healing, um, and that can look very different. But the work that I'm doing here is. Um, inviting people into these full care sessions and so that can look like anything from an hour and a half to three hours depending on the time that you have um, and so I like to really I'm very intuitive so the space can kind of look uh, what it needs to be and what I feel like the person needs so you might come with I'm struggling with a recent loss or a breakup, there's grief that I'm experiencing, or there's a traumatic thing, or there's anxiety in my life, and I just want to be more present. You know, there's a wide spectrum of reasons why people might want this. Um, but what that would look like is just uh, coming here to the reserve and telling me just a little bit about what you want to work on. And I will put together um, a forest therapy exercises, the invitations that I'm going to invite you into um, about how to connect more with yourself and with the natural world. And then we'll spend some time talking a little bit um, about what's going on for you. And I'd like to um, first start with letting people's nervous systems calm to find that rest, to find some of the ways of grounding, of being in their bodies. Um, and then once we sort of found that calm in the nervous system, um, inviting to, you know, break, take in the surroundings. What do we notice? What are the sounds we're hearing? What are we noticing in our bodies? Um, so just invitations to engage with the outer natural world. And then kind of have to do away through that time. We'll be able to have more of a one-on-one -on -one discussion about what's going on for you. 
Um, and then a lot of the modalities I use are expressive arts. Um, so that's like dance, movement, writing, art. So I'm bringing in all some of these other options for people to like use as ritual or ceremony. Um, I also really want to incorporate herbal support. So using herbs and flowers um, to nurture and nourish people. So it can really look different based on the needs of the person. You also mentioned um, a couple of uh, modalities uh, during, that you employ during a session. One is called uh, IFS, inter interna Internal Family Systems, and also you mentioned mm -hmm. EMDR uh, DR and other somatic approaches. Can you talk a bit more about those too? Yeah, so that's my, that's my background in training. And so um, that is something that I would use if there's, uh, if there's specific inner child or inner part work. So, um, you know, I have a part that is a little um, perfectionistic, that likes to do things right. And so I notice that part when that part oh, is operating in, that my, one. in my... <laughs> Yep, 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 a lot of us, a lot of us have that one. <laughs> um, and so when we can learn to have compassion for some of these parts, learning how to interact with that part of ourselves with a, with kindness and love and seeing that they're trying to protect us the best way they know how, um, that's, that's a way that we can have a different relationship with you know, that part of ourselves. So um, I do a little bit of work in that area. And then also EMDR is um, a way of processing trauma. So that would be deeper work if there's like a specific memory or a past event that was uh, specifically traumatizing that we could process and heal. Um, so that's, that's, you know, something that I can offer if, if needed. Um, and that's from, yeah, can be really for a lot of different things. But um yeah, I find that having a holistic approach that incorporates a lot of different ways of healing is the most helpful for people um, because not everything is going to land for everyone or, or what everyone needs. And is this um, is 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 the goal to address as much as possible in in one session, or is this an ongoing type thing, or what? What's your experience with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it can really be either. So it's, it's kind of like this could be an ongoing thing that you could do, that you could come periodically, like say, you know, every other week or once a month. Um, or it could just be a one, a one-time thing. Or you could just come and try it out and then, oh, I really love this. I want to do more of this. Um, so it's really up to you. I, I provide both. Um, most of this is individual, but uh, I also offer groups if there's like a small group of people who wanted to do this. That was um, my other question is, is can, you know, can it be like in sort of a, a, a team or workshop type or, or group session format? Absolutely, yeah. If there wants to be some team building or if there wants to be just some group cohesiveness, yeah, that would be, um, it would look a little different than some of like the, you know, inner deeper work when you would do some of that maybe if that's what the intention was. Uh, that's another thing about this is what's your intention coming in? What are you hoping to gain? What's sort of the goal or the thing that you're hoping for is important in this work? Maybe even families, parents with kids. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
what were you envisioning when you saw that question when you asked that question well actually one of the things that i was thinking about that, that might not be such a huge problem in our area but it might be more of a problem in, for people in the bay area for example is that a lot of kids grow up without being connected with nature and a lot of parents mm -hmm. a lot of people who are parents now have grown up not connected with nature and therefore don't know how yeah. to connect their kids with nature Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like a relearning, you know, a relearning. Like, we were all at one time connected to land and to nature. And it's like, when we spend time in it and with it, it, it it's like it reminds us of, of those old places that we know deep within our souls. And uh, so, yes, uh, relearning, uh, just experiencing, I think, is something that everyone needs but especially maybe the kids today who are so plugged into technology and don't have as much of it naturally yeah and you know it's interesting i i live you know at the end of a very long dirt road uh and like in nature as, as much in nature as one can possibly live in in nature and i'm very happy and very grateful that i can do this Mm. And I have been doing this for like twenty some years uh, after living in in the you know in the Bay Area. But I notice even now, and and as a kid, I grew up in nature. Where I grew up in the country, so I've I've been exposed to this all year. You know, most of my life, except in mm -hmm. in the middle of my life during my professional life, and uh, and I noticed I was walking around last night. And normally, I finish my work before it gets dark. But last night I had to work into the darkness with a headlamp, and um, all of a sudden mm -hmm. I noticed I noticed that this this nature that I thought you know that I loved so much during the day at, when I could see it and when I could see everything around me at night all of a sudden it became really scary, and I paid yeah, attention and I paid attention to every noise and every crunching leaf and. <laughs> <laughs> and my nervous system went into high gear. So I, I guess I'm, I'm relating this by way of saying that not, you know, not all contact with nature can, is, is necessarily reassuring, right? I mean, it depends on, it depends yeah. on our history, I think. And, and our nervous system. I'm wondering if you've encountered that. Yes, I have. Um, as, most people maybe know that there are bears around. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah, I've had a few. I've had a few encounters that were um, a little just got my heart racing, you know. <laughs> and um, like, wow. Um, yeah, I actually had an encounter with a mama bear who was with her cub, and she she kind of growled at me from a distance, mm -hmm. and um, I was. Uh, I was, I mean, talk about, you know, some scary moment there and nervous system really went into it. Like I was shaking. Um, and I, and I later reflected on that. Um, cause you know, she was just protecting her cubs. She wasn't going to like attack me, but it was just, you know, factors right. don't do that. But, um, it was, it was just, uh, I reflected later, like, what was that? And I feel like it was the wild just remind. You know that we, uh, we were not in control. That uh, there is there is this like element of nature that's way beyond us, 
And so that was, it was humbling. That was the biggest thing I thought of the experience was this humbling feeling. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I felt too last night. I, I felt, I felt humbled, you know, that, uh, even even with all my experience and all my exposure, you know, I, I'm I'm not in control of this environment. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a part of it. <laughs> yes, I'm just here. And, and as as a control freak, that felt kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> Let me remind our listeners that you are tuned to Wild Oak Living. This program comes to you every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. It's all about living sustainably and building community in Mendocino County and beyond. And along along the lines of living sustainably and building community, this uh, my interview guest today is uh, Kylie McCarthy. She is um, a practitioner who d- practices a a, a, a treatment modality called uh, soul care in nature on a redwood forest nature preserve here in mendocino county i'm particularly fascinated by the by the aspect of of your doing your work uh in you know in a redwood forest uh nature preserve because redwood forests have a have a, a a lot of people have a special affinity to redwood forests can you talk mm-hmm. a bit about that uh it's just the land here is so inviting and calming, and the trees, um, yeah, they, there's just a sense of being held in however you come, you know, um, there's days where I'll go out and I'll just, there's like a fallen redwood, there's um, a creek, and just, I'll just talk out loud, you know, I'll just, whatever's on my heart and I always have this sense of just sort of being I don't know held safe and calm peace um there's also sometimes I feel like there's things that I hear you know not audibly but things that I'm hearing and um senses that I'm getting and um yeah there's just a peace and there's just a calmness here on the land and uh yeah, I don't know what you would say about redwoods, but they're just so inviting. <laughs> and they're so ancient. They've been around for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I think they have so much to share with us. They do. They do. So I just want to mention that I offer um, like a free 30-minute consultation call if people want to get a better idea of what this would look like or talk a little about, about what's going on in their life and if it would be a good fit or if they feel comfortable. Um, yeah, I just I really want to make this accessible to people. Thank you for mentioning that. I was actually going to ask you about that and also um, for, for you to share your contact information for people who are interested in, in, in your work and, and who want to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a website um, that have, goes into a little more detail about what this looks like and a little bit more about my background. So the website is soulcareinnature.com. And the best way to get in touch with me is my email. And so it's just the same thing, soulcareinnature at gmail.com. And we can set up a phone call if that's what you want to do. And we can bring you on out here and have a session to kind of nourish you. And, um, yeah, I just am really passionate about cultivating a space for connection. Uh, connection with ourselves, connection with each other, and connection with the natural world. 
And um, I'm just looking at, at your website and, and uh, some of the information about you. Uh, I think you mentioned that briefly at the beginning, but um, you you have a background in, in clinical mental health counseling and in mental health uh, addiction treatment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you tr- and you also mentioned that you are you're trained in in EMDR. Can you talk a bit about EMDR? What is that, and how do you incorporate it? Yeah. So if, if somebody wanted to go into healing specific um, memories, if there's if there's like a specific memory, um, EMDR is a an approach that um, can look very different. So basically, we have a, a core memory that we're working with. Um, and we have tools to help ground and support, and then there's um, a bilateral stimulation. So that can either be um, moving our eyes back and forth, following my fingers like this, or you could just tap your um, hands. And so it, it's a way of incorporating our body to <laughs> experience um, the memory and release it. And so there's a whole like structure that I follow in that. Um, and so clients, you know, will give a um, you know, like this memory is really activating to me as I think about this past memory. Um, I would say maybe on a scale of one to ten, it's like a nine. And then usually after we've cleared the memory, they would say that that memory, when we look back on it, is like a zero or a one. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an embodied way of doing that. And you know, if someone wants to get into that, I can explain it more clearly. But um, it's just a tool that's used. Mm-hmm. Is it similar to EFT? In, in terms of how it works? Um, it's similar, yeah. Tapping EFT, um, it's using, tapping, yeah. it's using some, mm-hmm, yeah, it's using similar approach. And it's a little different, but in the same realm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm wondering, we have, we have a few minutes left. Um, if you have any questions and want to call in with questions for Kylie McCarthy about the work that she does, you can, you f- can feel free to join us in this conversation. We have time maybe for one or two phone calls. The number here is 707-895-2448, 895-2448. But with, if, if we don't have phone calls, uh, you have this list of, um, um, e- examples of the kind of work that you do that's that's on your about page, and I'm wondering if you could just maybe just take pick a few examples and and or, or talk about some of them. Um, the the one that the, the list that starts with grief and loss, trauma recovery. Uh, I, I'm just you know mm-hmm. maybe just give us some examples of the kinds of uh, situations that that you know that your your work would would apply to. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, someone who's lost a parent, someone who's lost a child, someone who has had a breakup, someone who's had a huge transition in their life, they've made a massive life change or lifestyle change or move, um, struggle, relationship struggles. How do I have boundaries with friends and families and partners? How do I take care of myself? I'm noticing that I, I'm really anxious all the time. I'm noticing that I... Um, you know, don't have a good way of taking care of myself. Um, you know, that just, these are all things that we, that also many of us are, you know, dealing with. It's, it's normal yeah. to have, this is part of being human. <laughs> I'm particularly intrigued by two, two items on your list, uh, identity formation and self-expression and finding voice. Maybe that's because yes. I need work in that area. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I think specifically, as, well, not all, but mostly women, but there's men too. Uh, it's really struggle with, like, I have something to say. I have a voice. I have an opinion. I have a thought on this. Uh, like, I want to express this. Um, what do I have to say? You know, I was noticing this with teenagers and younger women and, um, like, I, how, how do I have more confidence? How do I build my self-esteem? How do I feel more supportive in myself? Um, and what was the other one that you, that you mentioned there? Identity formation. Identity formation, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who am I? What am I about? What is my purpose? What am I born to do? What am I good at? What am I longing for? What is my soul desire for this life? And what do I want to give my energy to? You know, I mean, I feel like we all have that, but our culture doesn't help us grow that or build that or, you know, so like finding, uh, cultivating that, finding a place of like to explore that, you know, like, how, like, and it's okay if you don't know, like, it's like, that's what we're here to kind of you know explore like yeah maybe it is you know working in community maybe it is spending time in nature maybe it is um doing art you know like it's finding out through experiential like what that is yeah and that can that can be especially important if you like you said earlier if you go through a life transition and if your circumstances have suddenly changed or if there's been a loss and, and if you've identified yourself as part of a relationship and now that relationship isn't there, you know, so those are, those are all, those are all stages in life where uh, it sounds like the kind of work that you do could be helpful. Yeah, I found that people find just that coming back to themselves, to remembering who they are, maybe if they remember a younger person or a child or just like in the past like oh yeah I used to love doing that or oh yeah this is something I really care about like that's it's in there it's it's still in there we just need to we just need to bring it out yeah yeah that's it and you mentioned earlier, you know, be, we, we, most of us live in such a hectic world that's full of distractions. Yeah. Even here in Mendocino County, you know, it's, it's a little mm -hmm. it's a little less hectic than the Bay Area, but still, you know, most of us have very full, very busy lives, and we we have spent very little time uh, reflecting and and listening and 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 looking inward. Yes. Yes. Uh, paying and paying attention, you know, we're we're so distracted. There's so much going on around us, and mm -hmm. that um, is buying for our attention. And so, when we are giving attention to ourselves, when we're giving attention to another, when we're giving attention to the natural world, um, to me, that is the most profound expression of love is attention. You know, when I give attention to the person sitting across from me and I'm not distracted, when I give attention to myself that I, I'm worthy of giving attention to, of caring for, like that's profound love. So, and we can lose track. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, and we can also lose track of that when we get lost in, in, in bad news. Um, you know, which yeah. is which is a, a big aspect of our lives right now is is bad news, and we don't have a lot of time left in the program. But um, that's when it can be especially important to remember who we are and what's important to us. Absolutely, especially during this time. Um, what do we know is true about us? 
what do we want to hold on to when there's just so much chaos going on yeah how can we how can we remain hopeful because we yes. have to we, and there is <laughs> yeah because we have to and there is there is so much <laughs> there is so much joy and delight still out there you know it's like it's it's waiting for us and that and and that so comes through. I mean, I have the privilege of being able to see you in addition to hearing your voice, and and it just comes through very much that that you have, that you have a a joy and a desire to communicate that joy and that hopefulness, and and mm-hmm. that's that mm-hmm. I I sense that, and I that's uh, that's that's a good thing to have in this world of ours. I'm I'm glad you're doing oh, this work. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, meaningful. I appreciate that. <laughs> let's let's give your website again and your contact email, and then we'll have to say goodbye. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's soulcareinnature.com. Soulcareinnature two ends. And the best way to get in contact with me is uh, just sending me an email at soulcareinnature at gmail.com. And I really look forward to hearing from people and seeing. Uh, if we can get this started. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.